Hey there, it's Jeff from Modern Combat Thrill Magazine. Welcome to podcast episode number 213, number four in our four-part series on urban survival strategies. This week, it's all about protecting yourself, your family, and your stuff when living in or passing through urban areas following a wide-scale disaster, crisis, or collapse. And don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free show notes, including our handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the highlights. All you need to do is go on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 213 and download it all for free. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hello, what's up everyone? Jeff Anderson here, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. Now, all this month we've been talking about how the survival challenges that you face after a wide-scale crisis can change if you happen to live in or around a more urban area than if you were living in a more remote area. Now, in episode 210, we discussed options for how to find shelter in the city. And in episode 211, we talked about secret areas that water may be hiding in that you can tap into to stay alive. And in episode 212, we looked at your food plan and discussed ways to prepare your stockpile now, but also how to find something to eat after all the grocery store shelves have gone bare, even how to hunt inside the city to bring home a fresh meal. I did air quotes there. I know you can't see my air quotes, but a fresh meal is in air quotes. All right, but this week we tackle what's most likely to be the toughest challenge that you'll face in urban areas, and that's your personal security, protecting yourself and those who depend on you for protection. Now, remember, even if you don't live in an urban area right now, it's still important that you understand that these challenges they do apply to you and you have to have a plan to deal with them. It could be a situation where you need to travel into the city for resupply or even major medical attention. But here's something that rural folks don't really realize that gives them a false sense of belief that this doesn't apply to them, right? It's that the urban areas may become a more urban zone in your remote zone. And what I mean by that is it could bring the urban areas to you. For example, the government could set up what amounts to a refugee zone in your area. And that could be due to logistical reasons. You might be in a good spot for them to stick up concertina wire fences and and barbed wire and everything. And and plop several thousand city dwellers into your backyard as refugees. We even saw in Hurricane Katrina how New Orleans residents were temporarily, and there's air quotes again, relocated to other cities and towns after the devastating flooding that happened there. Now, with these evacuations, there were mostly the unfortunate victims of the flood, right? There were nice, normal people like you and me. But there was also a fraction of them that included gangs and criminals who came with those refugees. They ended up bringing their criminal ways with them. A lot of them even chose to stay on in their new locations even after they're able to move back home. And you hear a lot of police departments in those areas say that the gangs came in and they stayed even when they could leave. And it caused a lot of problems. My point is that your current residents, if you live in the country like me, shouldn't decide whether you understand or, or feel the need to understand the inherent challenges of urban survival. And again, one of the biggest challenges that you are going to be faced with is the threat of human predators. Now, we talk sometimes about also there's there's also like the um, 
kind of uh, the animal predators, right? We've talked in the past about how dogs that are left behind in particular can become, can, can join into packs because they're pack animals and hungry pack of dogs is a very real threat. And you do need to be prepared for those kinds of things. But this podcast is really about human predators. Okay. And these can come in a lot of different forms. No matter, so no matter how much food and water that you have stashed away, how you deal with these predators could literally mean the difference between life or death for you and or your family when the shit hits the fan, right? That's what this week's episode is all about, how to prepare for that threat, okay? All right, so in going over this, there are really five factors that I came up with that you really need to consider with your urban survival security plan. In fact, as I was going through this, because this is really kind of a, this is a this is an area of special um, attention to me. Like this is an area, this is a special area for me particular because of the time that's been urban areas during combat and seeing what happens to citizens in an urban area when there's no infrastructure, when there's no rule of law, when resources are scarce, right? I've seen this firsthand. And so as I started getting into this, there was so much to do with this. Like there were so many things that I wanted to share with you. There's not enough time for me to cover it all in this podcast. So I have decided that is going to be one of our live workshops that we're going to be doing here in the very near future in the New World Patriot Alliance. So if you are an NWPA member, make sure that you check the schedule for that and uh, take part in that when it comes up. Get your questions in. Join us live. Let's go ahead and take part in the discussion as I dive deeper into this topic. But there are five factors that I want to cover with you here in this podcast in what you will secure. All right. So um, number fact number one is securing your home. Factor number two is going to be securing your status. And I'll tell you what that means. Uh, factor number three is securing your supplies. Factor number four is securing your family. And the final factor is securing your movement if you are moving through and into an urban area as part of your plan or as part of, we'll talk about what that means, okay? So let's go ahead and dive into these right now. So the first factor is really if you are living in or around an urban area, and that is securing your home. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of a pass on this one here because we're talking about the physical security of your home. And actually, there was so much even to do with this topic alone. In fact, there might still be in the NWPA, if you're an NWPA member, um, I think there is still a broadcast in there we did as a live workshop completely on uh, home de- home protection, home fortification, and home defense for uh, preppers and, and survivalists inside the, lo- the, the workshops. The recording of that one, I believe, is still in there. If it's not, I will go ahead and make it available for another 30 days. So if you, if you join New World Patriot Alliance, you can go ahead and get inside of there and grab that. But there was a podcast that we, we talked about, Looter Defense, which is very similar. And it went into this in a lot more depth as well. That was podcast number 37 with Pat Henry, who is a veteran, who is a part of our instructor network as well. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and put a link to that podcast into the resources section on our blog where this podcast is being uh, is being kept right now. So you can go down there, click on the link, go check out podcast number 37. Or if you're in iTunes or Stitcher or anything else, um, any of those other podcast sites, we are on those other sites now. We're not just in iTunes. So yay, I've been looking to do that for a long time. But you can go there, check out number 37 uh, with Pat Henry. Okay. All right. But you all part of part of the other part of the uh, how you secure your home is in how you project yourself from the home, which brings us to number two, which is secure your status. And what I mean by that is how you project yourself 
to the people around you. Now, this can be in your home. It can also be just in how you present yourself as a person out in public. And bottom line, it's about the security you place in the information that you have and, and who you are. So in other words, if you present yourself to the world as I am a prepared person, I am a doomsday prepper, right? Let's go to the opposite end. Let's go to the, the not the opposite, but let's go all the way to the end of the spectrum here. Imagine a person walking down Main Street with an AR-15 in full camo outfit, uh, camo boots, buzz cut and bug out bag, you know, camouflage bug out bag on your back, walking down Main Street. You're going to look like a doomsday prepper. And during times of crisis, people are going to look at you and say, hmm, there's a doomsday prepper. We don't have food. Government's scarce on food. I'm going to go ask him if he has food or I'll follow him and see where he goes and see where his food is and just take it sometime. Right. So it's really about how you present yourself. Now, if you are, you know, where you live in securing your home, if you do live in and around urban areas, that can even be like how you, um, whether it's whether it's you let everyone around you know that you're prepared for doomsday, right? So you told all your neighbors and you're bragged about, you know, the, the weapons that you have and the food that you have and things like that. Even just putting a looters will be shot sign spray painted out into your front yard, right? That's still going to project to people. I have guns and ammunition. You're showing your cards. Okay. So let's take it now to your own personal, uh, how you present yourself. So again, we gave the, the, the very off the wall perspective of a doomsday prepper in camo walking down main street with an AR 15. That's an obvious no, no. Right. But it could be more subtle things. It could even just be that you look clean when everybody else around you is dirty. You smell clean when everybody else around you is dirty. You are carrying a camouflage bug out bag with you in different places. You're carrying a rifle with you instead of something, a weapon that's more concealed. Um, it could even be bumper stickers on your vehicle. So let's say you're traveling through urban areas and if you're driving through the big old monster truck with, um, you know, kill them all, let God sort them out bumper sticker and other firearms related bumper stickers or survival related bumper stickers, anything like that, that can signal others that, oh, you must be one of those people who is, you know, uh, that thinks like that you prepared ahead of time. You have weapons. You must have, you might have food. You might have something, but it looks like you're better prepared than I am. Even just having a vehicle and driving through town when the gas pumps have been dormant for a few months because you stockpiled fuel somewhere, all of a sudden makes you <laughs> the only person who's obviously prepared and you're now a target, right? So you need to project how you present yourself. Look at yourself as other people would look at you during that time, right? Do you look like somebody that would be a target or not? Okay. Factor number three is securing your supplies. And by this, we're talking about your food, water, um, any, any gear that you have. And Look, the, the threats that you face in, in the kind of collapse or crisis that we're talking about here, the threats are going to be high and they're going to be varied. You could get your supplies stolen from you, from other people. You could get them begged away from you by neighbors who know that you have stuff and want to knock on your door and, and you you know, you feel compelled to be able to give away some of your stuff. So now you have less stuff. It could even be confiscated during times of martial law, where there might be military law enforcement or other government uh, agencies who might, for the for the betterment of, you know, of common of common good and for the other citizens, confiscate and kind of bring everybody's supplies together so that it can be disseminated somewhere. All right. Um, as everybody knows, I'm a huge supporter of military and law enforcement, but we've also seen during times in the past where these things have happened, 
We've seen them happen, so we know that they can happen again, right? So you just need to be on the lookout for that. You can be just some rogue commander or some rogue mayor. It doesn't matter. It can come from a lot of different places, right? And it can take place anywhere. It can take place at the grocery store. It can take place at your front door. It can take place right there on the street. So the real, the best way, um, and some of the tips I'll give you here for securing your supplies is to, we already talked about information security, right? And, and make sure that people don't know about what you have, but also you want to take some of your goods and go ahead and cash them somewhere. Um, we have a whole guide on caching. It's a really extensive guide. There's lots of different ways that you can hide things in your home, outside your home. A lot of people consider caching like buried underground somewhere, that kind of a cache. It can really be a lot of different ways. Um, if you are an NWPA member and uh, you have credits that you can go ahead and apply to goods because it isn't a, a product that's generally available to the public, you can go inside of there and go ahead and get the caching guide in there. Um, so taking a portion of your supplies or having a backup of your supplies that are buried somewhere or in some other location that is not directly where somebody could bust through your door, take the little bit that you have available and then go ahead and search your home and find it easily. And I'm talking about easily, right? Because most people aren't going to be too extensive with it, but they're not going to go dig up your entire backyard, right? So there are ways that you can do that. Um, and go ahead and do that. But anyway, um, the whole point here is that you want to have some of your supplies available for ready use and the and, a, and a, another portion of it hidden. So even if you did have a person that you really care about, a family member or something that comes to your front door and begs for stuff, you can give some over. Um, this is also if, you know, and as I was saying, hey, you don't want to go tell everybody in your neighbor that you have survival food and, and seven AR-15s. Well, when that person um, does come to your door and says, don't bullshit me, I'm, I know you've got survival food and seven AR-15s, then instead of saying, you know, the hell with you, go away, and they can, you know, seek retribution on you and go ahead and tell other people, hey, let's go raid this house, you can actually give something away. It's like, man, I, did, I know I said I had all this food, but it got taken or I gave it away to family members to disseminate. I've only got enough for my family, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you a few meals. Here you go. And that kind of pacifies them. So it shows that you, you weren't just trying to like put up the barbed wire on them, but that you uh, were willing to give them something. So what you said was probably true. They won't necessarily keep coming back begging for more and more food. And as we've said, asking turns to begging, begging turns to demanding, demanding turns to taking potentially by force, right? It becomes violent not secure. So you want to make sure that you are caching and hiding some of your supplies for you to tap into um, as backup, as your contingency plan. Okay. But then that we, we do need to go back to operation security. So when you have those cash goods, you don't want to have maps with their locations on them. They're going to ID the location. If you access your cash goods and supplies, you want to make sure that you are, are doing it covertly. Maybe it's under the cover of darkness or, or something. You want to make sure that you are very, very secure in where your supplies are located. Okay. All right. Factor number four is securing your family. All right. Now this comes down to personal protection and the best way to protect yourself as your foundation here is to have some sort of a weapon that you can use to protect yourself from any sort of an attack or those people that do decide that they went from asking to demanding and taking by force. Right. 
So you do want to arm yourself, but how you arm yourself is also very important. Like I said, you don't want to be going down Main Street in an urban area with an AR-15. You make yourself a target. Um, you want to have a, like a concealed weapon. A firearm is going to be your best weapon that you want to have, but you want to you want to keep your what you have available for weapons concealed as much as possible, right? Walk softly, but carry a big stick correct, right? But you also want to have backup weapons as well. Now, we have an entire guide. This one you can get. Uh, it is a free download that you can get. It is our Extreme Survival Weapons program. And this, this takes you through how to layer your survival weapons plan specific to survival threats. So what I mean by that is how you defend your home in a normal home invasion, right, in peacetime, is different than you how you would defend your home during times of civil unrest and urban survival and things like that. So you really need to understand the difference in how you arm yourself, the weapons plan that you have related to survival versus personal protection during peacetime. Okay, so you can get that uh, download for free. I will put a link down in the resources section for the blog post, but you can also go over to www.bestsurvivalweapons.com and you can go ahead and grab it there as well. All right. Now, securing your family also means working with your family to remind them of the need for personal safety. Now, this doesn't require you to have a family that is fully on board with you as a prepper family, okay? You don't need that. This is something you can give as a briefing that happens at the time of an event or following an event when things get really serious. And really all that comes down to is letting them know that, look, when you go out there, we want to make sure uh, you know you give them guidelines for when they can go outside the house, when they go in differently, when where they go, where's safe, where is not safe. Uh, when they go out, are, are they in a buddy team? Are they with somebody else? Do, are they, have they let somebody know about their whereabouts? Do they have communication when they go out? Those types of plans that you put in place can be given at the time when there's after an event, if you don't have somebody that's either on board with you or they might even be too young right now to be able to deal with it. I've bitched and complained before in the past how I don't necessarily have a 100% prepper family here. So I, but there, there's information that I have that they don't have that I don't have to make ready to them right now because all the information needs to be secure even before an event as much as possible. So that means your kid's not going to school and bragging about all the AR-15s you have or all the survival food when the zombies come out of the ground, uh, you know, the spouse talking with the, the boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, um, about this information, that inform that information needs to be kept secure. And again, if you don't have that buy-in from them, then you need to keep that information secure to yourself until it can, until it needs to be made available to them. Okay. Now, at the time of an incident, or if you are um, basically after an event you live in an urban area or you're passing through, you want to make sure that you consolidate your family and safeguard them. Um, meaning that you don't necessarily all go off into the city, maybe yourself, maybe you don't, you don't expose them if you don't need them. So you really need to think about how are you exposing them? Are they in a safe location that you can go in for resupply, let's say into the city and come back out and meet up with them, but they're going to be safe. You don't have to worry about them when they're gone, that they're armed, that they understand self-protection, that they're ready to go. Okay. Okay, finally, the fifth element or the fifth factor factor here is securing your movement, securing your movement. And this really has to do with moving into and out of or through a an urban area. And you really need to treat this like a military mission. And before any military mission, we always did an operations order or an op org. And I'm not going to go into all of the elements of the operations order, uh, but essentially it's all the information that you need 
for the specific mission that you are about to go into. All right. And the first, in fact, I think I think this is so critical that I think I'm going to do an, a podcast coming up specifically about how operations orders apply to your survival planning. All right. But the first factor in the operations order is called situation. And and really what this covers a lot of different details about the mission that you're about to go into. But it's really a look at the it's really like a snapshot of what your assets are and things like that. So it's an assessment of the threat that you're going to face on this mission. What is your prime? What, what is your directive? What is your objective there? Um, it's what are the assets that you have? What are the friendly force capabilities that you have? Um, so what are the threats? What are the assets, the tactical assets that you have? Even what is the weather that is going to be uh, there during the time of the mission that you're going to do? Now, we always used to, I mean, the best time to attack was either at dusk, dawn, or sometime at night, preferably, but also during inclement weather. If it was storming outside, if it was really raining outside, as miserable as that is, we knew that there were, that the enemy, quote unquote, right? Air quotes, yay, <laughs> that the enemy was most likely going to not be out in the elements also. So think about that. We're not talking about a military presence here necessarily, but residents, people that could be a threat. Uh, I know from experience and working uh, against gangbangers that they hate water. They hate getting wet. All right. So if it's raining outside, you're going to have less threats are going to be out there. So it might be an ideal time for you to plan to go in for resupply or to plan to go in to uh, get medical attention or something. Right. Um, and also with the like the rainy and storming, that's going to mask your movement by both by your tracks that you might leave or also, especially the sound of you passing through an urban area. So the weather can be very, very helpful there. So knowing what the situation is and having a plan for that um, really means reconning the area. Okay. You don't want to just walk into an urban area without that information. So you want to do your reconnaissance first. Now, I was part of a long range reconnaissance patrols and a forward observer. So part of my job in the military was to go behind even enemy lines and go and, and set up covertly where nobody could see me, camouflage myself in and just watch. Look for what were the assets that the enemy had? How many troops did they have? What were supplies that they had? How often did they get resupplied? Um, what presence did they have? Where were outposts? When were there changes of outposts? Uh, you just you you observe as much as you possibly can because that information is going to mean that your forces that go in there to take that objective are going to be ready. They're going to know when to hit. They're going to know where to hit. They're going to know who they're hitting, and they're going to know what you're going to hit. So that same thing applies to you. You need to do the reconnaissance first. Now that can be visual reconnaissance. It could be watching that urban area ahead of time for a period of even up to a week or so, depending upon what you're going to be, what you're going to be using that traveling into that area for. Right? It might only be for a day or whatever, but during that day you can find out a lot of information. You can look and see if there are military checkpoints. When is changeover time? What is when are traffic points? Um, heavier? When are they When are they less than? So you might want to go during a heavier time. There's a lot of stuff that we cover in our Social Chaos or Escape and Evasion Guide as well about how to work during times of martial law and civil unrest um, to be able to stay safe during those time periods, okay? But you, want, you can do a visual recon. You can use police scanners, as an example, to find out what threat levels might be in the area. You can even use residents that are out there, um, especially homeless. We did an entire urban survival um, thing for New World Patriot Alliance a few years back with Kevin Reeve of OnPointTactical.com. Kevin is one of the best urban survival experts that I know. He runs um, and OnPoint Tactical. If you go over there, 
He runs an urban uh, an urban escape and evasion course that is second to none. It's really amazing. And he does that like in the down, you know, streets of Los Angeles and New York, you know, all over the place. He came out. I took part in this course out in Austin, Texas. It was an amazing course. There's a lot of great information in there from how to pick locks and how to escape and evade, but also how to mask your movement was a big part of that as well. All right. So these are these are very important things. But one of the things that we talked about in that urban survival thing was how the homeless are actually like the urban survival experts, right? Like on a daily basis. So if you see a homeless person, they are a wealth of information about what to really expect in that area. Okay. So what to look for in threats and where, you know, where is the resupply points tips from them. So you can even talk to people that are there that, that are safe, that you can talk to and get information out of. All right. Now, once you have that information, you've done your reconnaissance, that's when you put together a plan. Again, we had a mission. We had an operations order that was filled with all the information that laid out step-by-step step what our plan was. But you also need a contingency plan. That plan is going to show you avenues to be able to get to the objective. Where is your objective? Do you have a map? Do you know the location? Does everybody know the location? What supplies are you going to be bringing with you? What um, what terrain are, are you going to be expecting? We're talking urban here, but you know, so, but there's urban terrain. So what pathways are you, are you going to use? Are there alternative pathways that you can use? Like, um, if you are, let's say, um, Oh, what are they, like viaducts and, uh, you know, what are different ways that you can, you can travel without just going straight down main street. Okay. So what is the path that you're going to use? All of those are part of your plan. You want to have a plan going in there for a very specific purpose, but you also need a contingency plan. What if things go wrong? You can never go in thinking that nothing's going to go wrong. What is your contingency plan? Do you have alternative paths that you need to take? Are there considerations uh, for things like weather? All right. So if uh, you, you might want to go in when it's raining for all the reasons that I said, you might specifically plan for that day. And what if it doesn't rain on that day? And what if the storm isn't coming through? Are you going to wait for for more inclement weather to come through before you start to uh, go in there for your mission? Or are you do you have good weather on a Tuesday. So we're going to push it off until Wednesday because now there's a storm coming through and we're going to go in on Wednesday instead. Uh, contingency plans are very, very important. I, I think I've told a story, uh, maybe it was just a new NWPA members, but um, where my very first military mission, we were on a deuce and a half and my entire platoon was on there. We were getting off. It was in an urban area. We were attacking an urban, an urban objective. And when we hit our download point, back of the deuce and a half opens up, back of the truck opens up, we start piling out to get into position. And then one of the soldiers um, jumped off and then slammed up against one of the vehicles that was in the street. And this vehicle had an alarm on it. So all of a sudden, our covert midnight deployment was no longer covert, right? This alarm was going off. There was no way for us to turn it off. All of a sudden, it wasn't that our cover was blown, but it certainly took away that element of surprise, perhaps, right? It had us had to make us more cautious about getting into position. And so you want to have a contingency plan if things do go wrong. What if one member gets attacked and goes down? What are you going to do with the other person that is there? All right. Or do you do you extract, extract yourself from the city? Do you carry on with the mission? What are you going to do for your contingency? All right. Now, let's talk about traveling. OK, and we talked about using terrain as much as possible. Uh, by using viaducts or even using areas of, of paths of entry that other people might not think 
to use or hang out in, or there's not going to be people there. Things like uh, landfills, uh, sewage treatment plants, um, areas that are, are um, you know, anyway, you want to look at places that could, from your from your recon that are places that are, are not as, as well-traveled, are easier to get into at night, where are shadows being cast, where are areas that are well-lit that you want to avoid. Those are all parts of the terrain, so to speak, the conditions that you need to take into account. And only reconnaissance is really going to give you a better picture of what your path is going to be. Okay. Now, while you're going through these areas, you want to be careful of other pods of threats that you might encounter. So people that don't, other people that are out at midnight or 2 a.m. that don't want to be caught by the law could be tribes that have set up in the area or gangs, you know, essentially that have, that have developed in the area, um, knowing where those, those gang zones may be. All right. But you want to be careful. You might stumble into those if you don't fully know what that path is going, is going to be like. All right. So that's why you really want to recurse, recon these first from as far away as possible. Now we said traveling at night, if possible, dusk, dawn, middle of night, all those times are going to help with masking your movement, right? So those could be very, very helpful as well. Now, when you travel is a, um, uh, it, one of the way it's, it's the way that you travel. You want to make sure that you are teamed up with somebody else if possible. Okay. So the, there are a few different ways you could travel in, in what we call a bounding overwatch, or you could be, you could have a lead person and trailing person. So we're just going to deal with two people right now, but this can be done with, with more than two people as well. But with two people, a bounding overwatch for those that aren't in the military essentially is one person moves up into a safe location, uh, but not too far, right? On a battlefield, this might only be, you know, 10 meters, right? Um, in an urban terrain, you might not, you know, it's not like you're going to be running necessarily. It might just be you walking undetected. You look like somebody that is lives in that area. You're dressing in the same clothes that you, they do or uh, whatever, but you might walk up to a location and then hang out in an area that is safe from, from being, you're not going to be detected from other people. And then, you know, it's, it's fine. You signal to the person behind you that, uh, that you are, you can, you, you know, come on up, it's safe. And then they either come to your location, then you move up another, another section, or they might go beyond you. So it might not be the same path that you take. It might be on a, a whole block over and they move up to another location up in front. Um, uh, well, another street over, but with visual cues, because you wouldn't necessarily be able to see that their path is correct. So it might be on, just on the other side of the street. Okay, so that can give you a whole other perspective just being on the other side of the street. But you want to monitor where are the shadows taking place and things like that, right? So anyway, that's like a bounding overwatch. Um, with any of these types of movement, you want to make sure that you have good communication. So perfectly two-way radios, another reason why you need to be within a close proximity of one another is because in urban areas, that terrain is going to reduce the range of two-way radios. And so... Um, this is, but this kind of a two-way radio communication with an earpiece and preferably a whisper mic that you can use. My my two-way radios are walkie-talkies for you know for those of you know, two-way two-way radios are like walkie-talkies. Um, my personal pair has like a whisper mode to it that I can whisper, and if other person is gonna is gonna pick it up, it has earbuds and a microphone that I can use. So those are very very helpful for you to be able to 
be able to call in for help if you need to. If let's say you get attacked or you tell people, if you tell somebody, hey, there was an ambush, extract, 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 they, they get to leave. That communication is very, very helpful. The other way beyond uh, bounding Overwatch with that lead and trail is just that you're both passing through the same area. This one, you can be on a totally separate street. You're within close proximity to one another where you can provide backup if needed. You can provide good intel if needed, um, but you um, you basically are traveling in the same direction, uh, essentially, but you have, um, you're basically going at the same speed. So you're basically paralleling one another in some way, or there could, you could be on the same path and one person is up ahead and one person is trailing behind. But if somebody is attacked or stopped, that at least the other person isn't seen as being with you. So they can either extract themselves from the situation or they can provide backup if needed, but it, there'll be an element of surprise in there as well. Okay. Um, so that's the other way to do it. Now, if you don't have two-way radios, then you just, you can still do both of these. You just want to make sure that you have like visual contact and the person up in front is able to look and see where you're at and see whether you've been stopped and is periodically looking around. But you don't want to look like you're looking around, right? You don't want to give away. So it's a little trickier. That's why Camo communications are so critically important. All right. Okay. Those are the five factors that we're going to go into here. Again, if you're an NWPA member, keep a look at the schedule there. We are going to be doing a, an in-depth review of other um, security factors when it comes to urban survival. Um, but now I want to hear from you. So Go ahead and make sure that you head on over to our blog at moderncombatsurvival.com. And in the blog post where this podcast is, I want to hear from you other urban survival security tips that you might have that maybe I left out. What are some things that you observe? If you're, especially if you're in the military, I'd love to hear some other military-based, like mission-based stuff that you can offer as advice as well. Or if you're not in the military, it doesn't matter. What are some questions that you have or what are some other tips that you have? Go ahead and leave them there in the comments on the blog. I'd love to hear from you. And don't forget for the, the show notes, for this episode, you can head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 213 and download everything for free right there. All right. And until our next Modern Combat Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.